Hey, everybody, you want big league performance in your backyard? You got to start with Steel. S T I H L. You can find all their products at SteelUSA.com. And if you're wondering where your local dealer is, that's easy as well. SteelDealers.com. And you'll uh, be set to go. There's more than 10,000 around the country. So as I like to say, there's one right around the corner from you. They have battery-operated tools. They have electric power tools. And they also have gas-powered tools. All of them are splendid. As I've told you on many occasions, I have a garage full of steel products. They're going to help you get the job done in your backyard, in your front yard, when it comes to uh, cleaning up, when it comes to taking trees down, if that's what you have to do, if you have a lot of property. Uh, the assortment of chainsaws that they have will blow you away. And it's not just for people like you and I who, who try to get it done on the weekend. Um, it's also for the professional, and they're worldwide. And they're terrific. And that's why they have been a leader in the industry for a long time. It's Steel USA, S-T-I-H-L, SteelDealers.com as well. I have a cup of Boyer's Coffee right in front of me. I like to have my Boyer's Coffee in the morning. And when uh, I take the podcast, I like to have it uh, as well. They're roasted right here in Denver at altitude. It makes the coffee super smooth and most importantly, local. In fact, they've been brewing outstanding coffee in our region since 1965. And there's a, a good feeling when you are helping out a local company, a company that's uh, embedded here in our community and uh, in turn helps out the community at every turn. And they have been a great and valuable member of the community and a very environmentally conscious as well. It's Boyer's Coffee. You can find them at boyerscoffee.com. You can have their product delivered right to your house. They have um, all kinds of uh, interesting promotions going right now. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. That would make a nice gift, I think. So uh, go check them out. Boyerscoffee.com. Boyerscoffee.com. Since 1965, the Rocky Mountain Roasters. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, the new CSU head football coach, Jay Norvell, who says there's no time like now to start the winning. Our goal is to compete this year and win. You know, we'd love to go to a bowl game and we'd like to compete, you know, for the conference. That's just something that is our goal. It's our goal every year. I think we have an opportunity to do that. Also, the Broncos are looking for a head coach and a quarterback. Drew has some thoughts on what they should be looking for. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Glad, as always, that you're along with us on the Drew Goodman Podcast. We keep uh, tabs on the number of shows we do. I don't know why, but uh, it just makes it easy for me to uh, start the program that way and log things. This is uh, podcast number 132. Hope you're all doing well. And um, a big uh, shout out to my friends at DNVR, by the way. Check out uh, their numerous podcasts, especially the uh, DNVR Rockies podcast, which I'm a part of once a week with my man Patrick Lyons. Not a lot to talk about in the world of baseball right now. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that uh, the Players Association and the owners uh, can get things settled without losing spring training games and clearly without losing any regular season uh, games as well. 
So uh, we'll move on from that quickly and uh, talk about football. By the way, Jay Norvell, you just heard, he's going to be on with us in a little bit. Uh, He's a guy that has already uh, gotten people super excited in Fort Collins and all alum of uh, of Colorado State in the region uh, and around the country, and rightfully so. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation I had with uh, with Jay, and that's coming up in a few moments. But staying in college football, it seems like every day, uh, wherever you are in the country, whatever program you follow or programs that you follow or a, are a fan of, you're reading about guys entering the transfer portal. And the University of Colorado has had 21 players since the start of the year, not the start of 2022, but going back to the summer, enter the transfer portal. I started the year, started the football season. 17 since the conclusion of the football season. Now, there are some in there that probably transferred, and this is true for every program, because they look like, they were up against it in terms of getting on the field. So they're looking for another opportunity where they can compete uh, and get out on the field, something uh, that they you know, were not provided at the University of Colorado because there were guys ahead of them or whatever the situation was. Uh, I'll mention Colorado State, by the way, as well. There, there's always going to be transfers when there's a regime change because there's also a schematic change typically. And you may be you know, a, a fullback in an offense that doesn't feature a fullback or or you may be the fourth tight end and, and you know, they're heavy on, you know, not utilizing the tight end, which means uh, you're up against it. And so you enter the transfer portal. Uh, you know, there are plenty of other reasons that uh, guys enter the transfer portal. Some are NIL. That's name, image, and likeness opportunities. And we'll get into that in a moment. But specifically with the University of Colorado, does that number sound high? It is a little bit high uh, from the research I've done. And as I said, there could be various reasons. But it is a little bit alarming when some of the players who are transferring are starters and guys that are in the midst of seemingly good careers. Jarek Broussard, the outstanding running back who in the truncated season of 2020 was actually the offensive player of the year uh, in the Pac-12. Brendan Rice, uh, you know, the son of Jerry Rice, who uh, has been a very impactful wide receiver in uh, his brief time in Boulder. He's moving on. We learned it's to USC. Um, Christian Gonzalez, a starter in the secondary, one of, uh, you know, three players in that secondary uh, that have moved on uh, of late. So it's not just guys that, um, you know, had bit roles. Dimitri Stanley, guy who returns punts, very talented wide out who they just didn't get him the football this year. And maybe that's why he's moving on. And what's interesting also about Dimitri Stanley, the former Cherry Creek standout moving on is his dad, Walter, you know, <laughs> they're, they're from the state, from CU. And, and so, that one, I don't want to say it's a surprise. I don't think it's a surprise anymore when anyone seemingly transfers. And uh, But there, there's a lot of guys moving from the University of Colorado. I cannot sit here and tell you uh, with any degree of clarity or conviction why, and again, each person who transfers, they have you know, unique reasons, but it's a large number. And I would tell you to go back and and maybe listen a little bit to 
Um, part two of my conversation from a couple of weeks ago on this podcast with Dave Logan, because he had some very, many pointed things to say about where football is right now at the University of Colorado and the level of importance. And he is a fan of Carl Durrell. So this was not, you know, some sort of shot at, at Carl Durrell, not at all. But it's just the level of importance placed on football at CU. If you want to return to where they were in the late 80s and the early 90s and during the heyday of Bill McCartney, if that is feasible, there seems to be a need for for greater um, assistance uh, from that administration. What that looks like, I, I can't tell you definitively, but they there are rewards clearly to having a great football program. Great basketball program as well. And Tad Boyle's, you know, certainly done his part. But if you look at, I was just talking to somebody the other day uh, whose son is a freshman at the University of Alabama. And he was telling me, this is a dad telling me, he goes, Alabama. He says, I don't know where he even came up with that. And, and he's really enjoying it. And I said, you know, a part of it is, and it's pretty clear when you look at the data, when you have a championship caliber or a, a well thought of, football program, a winning football program in major college football, your applications for admittance go way up. And we're not talking about football players. We're talking about, you know, just general students because they have a higher profile. And if you have more applicants, you can make it a little bit more difficult to get in, which makes your school a little bit more exclusive. And ultimately, that helps the image. It's certainly going to help um, from a revenue standpoint as well. So there is a direct correlation between great success in revenue sports, and we're talking most notably about football and men's basketball, and the rate of applications increasing and you can be a little more judicious from an acceptance rate standpoint. So we'll see where it goes uh, You know, with CU. It's not like the, the cupboard's bare there and they're not getting uh, you know, players because players do transfer in. They look at and say, oh, there's an opportunity at the University of Colorado. And as we speak today, they only have a couple of uh, scholarships left to give after the early signing period in December. Jay Norvell, who again we'll talk to in a few moments, they have, I believe, about a half dozen left to give, and, and they're primarily going to be on the defensive side of the ball. I know this week they got a transfer, uh, a defensive end, outside linebacker who's been a starter for, for several years at Rutgers, so he comes you know, from the Big Ten. But that's the world in which we live. And a lot of it, I'm guessing, is tied especially with skill athletes, quarterbacks, you know, high-level wideouts, you know, tied to the NIL and the, the opportunity to make money as a student-athlete, which I am all for. And you say, well, where does Colorado fall in that pecking order? Are people leaving CU because it's going to be easier at, you know, other schools or maybe other states to make money on name, image, and likeness? Well, here is, uh, I came across uh, an interesting ranking or rating, and this was put out 
by the NCPA. And what do you, what is the NCPA, you ask? Well, it is the National College Players Association. Its president is a former college football player, in fact. And they rated the, each state on the freedom and the ease for athletes to utilize name, image, and likeness uh, to benefit them monetarily. Now, the highest rating for a state was 90%. And it's a state that has two Division I schools in it. And they're not typically thought of as major, major college. It's New Mexico at 90%. Next up was Maryland and Missouri at 81%. Also with Oregon. The next state on the list was California at 76%. They were joined with three others, Nebraska, New Jersey, and Ohio at 76%. And you're saying, all right, that's great. Well and good. Where's Colorado? How limiting do they view Colorado? Well, guess what? Not bad. Colorado was next on the list at 71% along with Michigan, Montana, and Nevada. So Colorado's laws are not, the additional laws of the state, are not overly restrictive. I've read the body of them, which came out a while ago, a year and a half ago. And it does provide plenty of opportunity for athletes to earn money on name, image, and likeness. So this is an ongoing thing. The transfer portal uh, has become, you know, a giant mess to some. It is something that every school has to deal with, every staff has to deal with, and you literally, and I've heard this from a number of coaches, you literally have to have somebody, particularly in football, who monitors it 24-7. And you also have to... (laughs) re-recruit your own players. That's just uh, where we are in college athletics. Again, we'll we'll talk about this uh, periodically over time. And if you missed some of Dave's comments, uh, I, I would tell you to go back uh, and uh, listen to what he had to say a couple of weeks ago right here on this, um, on this podcast. On to professional football. We are on to week two of the postseason in the NFL, and I want to marry this a little bit, uh, or quite a bit, if you will, to where the Broncos are, because as I tape this on a Wednesday, they're still searching for a head coach. Chances are they're going to get this thing wrapped up in the next uh, few days. But I also want to reiterate something that I said a week ago, and that is don't marry yourself to the head coaching candidate that comes from the side of the football where your team is most needy. For the Broncos, that certainly would appear offense, right? Number one, give me a leader. Last week, I keep parking back to previous podcasts, I had Dave Lapham on. Dear friend, former partner of mine in college football for many years on the television side, and a longtime, first of all, player with the Cincinnati Bengals, longtime broadcaster, and Dave eats, breathes, sleeps football. And he played for a lot of different coaches, and he has interacted with a lot of coaches. And he said last week, 
He said, you never know who the great leader, where they come from. And the first guy he mentioned is, you look, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers when they hired Mike Tomlin. It was almost as if, you know, Mike Tomlin was, you know, a distant candidate, but they were interviewing him. Maybe some of it had to do with the Rooney rule at the time. And Mike Tomlin absolutely blew them out of the water. And guess what? They got it right. Because Mike Tomlin's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day as a head coach. It does not have to be the the savvy offensive coordinator or the, the great defensive coordinator. Give me a leader. That's number two on my list. Because number one is, you got to have a quarterback. You know that. Look at the eight teams left. I started this segment talking about we're into the second week of the NFL postseason. Look at the eight teams left, Cincinnati and Tennessee. Joe Burrow is one of the great young quarterbacks in football. He's got great moxie. He's got great accuracy. Uh, he, he is, you know, a budding superstar. Tennessee, with Ryan Tannehill, probably the least sexy quarterback of the eight remaining. But to his credit, though his numbers often aren't great, good play-action quarterback. He benefits from the great run game. They return Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill kind of gets the job done. The 49ers match up with Green Bay. That's Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers one of the two or three greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't have to spend any time on that one. Jimmy Garoppolo just wins. A lot of people want to find fault with him. I know the Niners went out and drafted another quarterback. And at some point in time, they probably, based on where they drafted Trey Lance, are going to transition to Trey Lance. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is the best fit for the Broncos moving forward. Because I don't think they're getting Aaron Rodgers, by the way. He ain't leaving. And Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, last offseason, according to his agent, had approved of four teams that uh, would fit him waiving his no trade clause. And uh, at the time, that was Dallas and Dak Prescott hadn't signed the long-term deal. That's kind of off the table, one would assume now. New Orleans, which is still in need of a quarterback. The Bears, and they've committed, you would think, at least for the time being, to uh to Justin Fields, and the other team was Vegas, and Vegas has Derek Carr, and I thought Derek Carr played pretty well this year, and that's only if they entertain truly trading him, so we'll see how the Russell Wilson thing plays out. I don't see Aaron Rodgers going anywhere. Russell Wilson may not be going anywhere either, may not come to Denver, even if they were able to uh, you know, throw a ton of draft picks at him. That, that one's a little bit more fluid or plausible moving forward. That's why I said, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo could be the next best option of established quarterbacks. Moving on, though, with uh, this postseason. The Rams, Matthew Stafford, great talent. The Bucks, Tom Brady, pretty good career. Then the other game is the Bills in Kansas City, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So you get my point, man. Number one, when you talk about, oh, this guy's a great head coach. You know who's a great head coach? The guy who has a great quarterback. Those eight teams remaining, at least seven of the eight names, or at least six of the eight, I'll I'll give you Tannehill and Garoppolo and say, okay, they're solid, not great. The other guys appear to be great. Matthew Stafford's always been able to throw the ball. Joe Burrow, I know he's in his second year, but everything suggests he's going to be great. 
Josh Allen played as near a perfect football game as you can from that position last week. And for Josh Allen, it's not just his ability to, to, to make every throw because he's got a cannon. He's one of the great, he's one of the three best running quarterbacks in football. And in fact, of the running quarterbacks in football, he scored the most touchdowns on the ground this year. He rushed for damn close to 800 yards on the ground, and he averaged six and a half yards every time he did run with the football, which was the highest mark in the league. Here's something else, another way to look at the quarterbacks, by the way. Because the bottom line is you can look at rating, you can look at you know total yards thrown. What I looked at was touchdown passes, because that's the bottom line too, right? Put the ball in the end zone. Number one in the league, Tom Brady, 43 touchdown passes. Number two, Matthew Stafford, 41. And then there was a tie at 37 between a couple of guys, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Next was Josh Allen with 36, right behind Allen with 34 touchdown passes with Joe Burrow. You get the picture. All the leaders of guys who throw touchdown passes are still alive in the postseason. So we can talk all we want about Dan Quinn. We can talk all we want about this potential candidate or that potential candidate. You know when the Broncos return to being a Super Bowl contender? When they have the quarterback, which we all know. And then I think there could be a variety of coaches that you will look upon and say, hey, good coach. Hire an innovative offensive coordinator who best utilizes the talents of that said quarterback and the other skill guys, and you will have a winning combination. So hire a good leader. The tough part, tougher than the head coaching part, is finding a quarterback. All right, we move on. Interview of the week brought to you by Ideal Home Loans is the Colorado State new head football coach, Jay Norvell. He's been everywhere. He's uh, a product of Iowa, played with the Stoop brothers, had a uh, really good career there. He grew up in, in Madison, Wisconsin. He has been in the NFL. He's been around big names. He's coached big names. He's a leader. He's, uh, he's honest. He's genuine. He's likable. And he won at Nevada, which you know really appealed to Joe Parker and the folks at Colorado State. Because with all due respect to Nevada, their facilities are nowhere near what they have in Fort Collins. And the enthusiasm, I think, for football can be really, really good in Fort Collins, especially with the number of alum down here in Denver, that if you give them good product and a reason to be excited, they will come north to watch football. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this interview. Um, every time he speaks, I listen. Going back to my time covering uh, Jay Norvell's teams at the University of Nevada. He, he's a guy that whenever I, I walked out of his office, I always came away impressed with a bounce, extra bounce, if you will, in your step. So our deal, Home Loans, interview of the week is head coach at Colorado State, Jay Norvell. You got a roof over your head yet, Jay? I'm, you, you got the job and probably to, after press conferences, I know you were on the road recruiting. Yeah, we. I've, I've got a temporary home. We're renting something until we find something permanent, but... Uh, yeah, we'll 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 find the right place here soon, and uh, we're 
my I, that's kind of my wife's uh, uh, wheelhouse. I kind of let her handle that, and, and I just kind of uh, show up when she tells me to. But but yeah, we're doing fine. Uh, we're, we're we're making the transition and still finishing up. We got about a month left of recruiting that we need to finish up. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in, in a second. You had to be, uh, you know, you you've been in so many places and. And, and and beautiful places also. And I know Reno is a special place and was special to you. Um, you know, I'm originally from New York, but Fort Collins, what a town, what a what a place. And now that, uh, you know, I don't even, I'm sure you've been able to drive around a little bit, uh, you know, probably while you're on your cell phone the whole time. But uh, how impressed are you with that community now that uh, you're a part of it? Oh, it's just a great community. I've been so impressed with the people that I've met and, uh, just so many amazing people that really care deeply about uh, Colorado State football, and and uh, that's just really exciting. Uh, you know, you know, I've always I've grown up in a college town uh, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, where the university was so important in the community, and um, you know, I just have always wanted to coach somewhere where people really cared about the program and. And that's certainly the case here. Just uh, tremendous people and and uh, very supportive of the football program. Before coach, before the job came open, and so obviously before you got a phone call from from Joe Parker, when you were in Fort Collins, did you and you, and you were Canvas Stadium? Did you look and say, "Boy, this is you know this could be a sleeping giant"? Or, or did any of those thoughts run through your mind prior to what? actually occurred oh yeah i mean i mean uh you know i've played here twice we played the first season in 17 and and uh just immediately uh impressed uh when we came through on friday for a walkthrough and then playing uh on game day um love the student section behind the bench i've always thought that was the best way to set your stadium up um, and just an awesome atmosphere to play in for your team and and um, for your kids. So absolutely was impressed whenever I came here to play. And, um, you know, and that was always in the back of my mind. For a coach to to make a move like you did, what what boxes are you, are you checking off? In addition to the ones you, you know you mentioned that you know it's important it's important to the community, um, you know facilities. Are there particular fa- facilities that you, that are, that are a must for it to be a you know a step forward, if you will, in terms of job? Yeah, I I I think the big thing for me was the support and. Uh, uh, the, the financial support for my staff. Um, I had lost a lot of staff the last couple of years. Uh, um, we'd had a lot of success, and I had coaches going on to other to Power Five programs, or and 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 in some cases to other programs in our conference. And so I wanted to be able to support our staff and and help maintain our staff for the future. Um, and also wanted to just uh, be in a place where I felt like we could recruit the very highest uh, at the very highest level um, and be supported from the community and the administration. And so those are all the real positives for me. And, um, you know, as I talked to, to Joe Parker and Joyce McConnell, I felt really good about that 
those factors here, Colorado State, and, and eventually, you know, led me to taking the job. You know, it's always a team. It's always a team decision, and you know, I've read quite a bit about, um, you know, your relationship, if you will, uh, what what you've allowed certainly to be public with with your wife, and certainly uh, the things that you said in your opening press conference. Jay, what was her initial reaction when you when you brought this to her? You know, it's uh, very similar. We we talked about those same factors. Um, you know, and it's it's uh, you know as as being in this profession, we've made moves before, and you know, quite quite honestly, moving is overrated. It's it's uh, it's not something that you really want to do unless you think it's it's really you know the best thing for the future. And so we talked very deeply about it. She felt strongly as I did. And, um, you know, we came to agreement that it was the best thing for our family uh, to come to Fort Collins. And I'm sure she's seen your office because uh, that that, uh, deck off your office in the middle of the football stadium ain't bad. No, it's really good. It's, uh, yeah, she's, she's enjoyed the new facilities and, you know, we're, we're really enjoying showing the recruits and, and getting positive feedback in that regard. They did a great job with the stadium. Um, you know, they really gave a lot of thought to it uh, in every way, uh, from the offices to the weight room to the uh, the meeting rooms. Uh, all all the areas are really well done and first class. You know, I know you've, you've signed a couple of kids in the first signing period that uh, had, in a couple of cases, numerous Power 5 offers. And... When you go out on the recruiting trail, uh, are there kids where you'll tell your staff, hey, we can't get that kid? Or do you feel like you have enough of a uh, product to sell that there's nobody that you're not going to try to compete for? Yeah, you know, we, I don't know. We don't really look at it that way. We, we have criteria that we look at in every position. And we want to recruit the very best players. Um, you know, once we can, you know, once we communicate with them and find out what their interests are, we'll find out quickly if they have interest in Colorado State and us. Um, but we really, we don't shy away from uh, competition and we don't really care who's recruiting a kid. So um, all we care about is that they fit the criteria that we're looking for. Um, we don't care if major colleges are recruiting them or if nobody's recruiting them. Um, you know, and I think that's really important that, yeah, you have that. I, I really think spending six years in the NFL really helped my, me identify what qualities I'm looking for in a player. And I mean, we, we really are recruiting NFL players. I mean, they're just younger. Um, but we want to recruit players that have that that capacity to move on to the National Football League, and and uh, you know, and if if they fit that profile, there's probably other schools that are going to be recruiting them too. So, you know, recruiting is about relationships and getting to know those kids, and and then having them uh, really believe you have credibility as a coach and you can help them be the best they can be. So, we're in the middle of that right now. We still got. Uh, about three to four weeks left of recruiting, and we've got to sign about a about a half a dozen kids left in this class. And that'll be mostly coach on the offensive side of the ball. Or excuse me, on the defense on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant to say. 
you yeah. know, we went heavy. We went heavy uh, offense uh, in the early signing period. Um, and uh, uh, Freddie Banks is my defensive coordinator. He was actually coaching at Montana State. Um, and so they just finished up last weekend. And uh, so we're going to we're gonna really focus on defense these last six scholarships, really looking for corners. Corners are a big emphasis for us, um, guys that can run and play man coverage uh, with some size and length. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll also really keep an eye on some pass rushers as well. How difficult is it when you – kind of an age-old thing when you throw the ball as much as you like to throw the ball to be physical still on defense yeah we we we're mindful of that um you know we we have physical schemes that we like and we'll work those against our defense and and so we're we're conscious and mindful of what schemes our defense has to play against in our league and what schemes uh, we're going to see from opponents in a non-conference, and so we'll be mindful and show show those to our defense in the in the springtime and in the training camp, uh, and then after after we start in the season, we don't go against each other as much anyway, and they'll get those looks from younger kids and scouts. So we're mindful of that it's important. You know, we want to be physical. Uh, both on offense and defense, and so we're we're conscious that we're going to get that kind of work versus each other. Coach, there a common theme going back to recruiting that you hear from kids uh, more frequently than other things when it comes to how they make their decision. I mean, is it facilities? Is it who are you playing? Is it how many guys do you have in the league? What What are the most prevalent things that you hear when you're in kids' homes? Well, I think I think. Number one, uh, they have to feel like they fit into your schemes. Um, whether you're an air raid team, whether you're a power running team, I think the kids have to feel like they really fit and that they're going to be able to, you know, really show their, their, their skills in your schemes. I think that's really important. Um, you know, kids want to play, they want to play great competition. And, uh, you know, I just think we, we, we have an unbelievable league. The, I don't think the Mountain West Conference really gets the credit it deserves for the level of competition top to bottom, the quality of coaches, the quality of players that we have in our league, and just the diversity of styles. There's so many different styles in our league. You know, we're a wide-open throwing team. You're going to, you know, San Diego State's more of a physical downhill team. Then you got Air Force, which is a – you know, a pro-style triple option team. You just see such a variety of styles of play in our league. Um, you know, we're going to play the University of Michigan this year, so we're going to be opening in the big house. Um, we go to Washington State and play a Pac-12 team. Uh, so our kids are going to get a chance to play, you know, great teams from other leagues and really measure themselves against the best. So we try to talk to them about that we try to show them those opportunities that they're going to get um and really you know uh, let them know that if they have a they had a desire to play in the national football league they're going to get a chance to show their skills and have that opportunity so we just feel like our conference and our university gives them that opportunity as you look at the current landscape and then peek into the the wild blue yonder as we know how quickly things change and 
the the landscape of college football changes moving forward. What, what's a realistic ceiling, or is there one for Fort Collins in, in Colorado State? You know, I think uh, I think that's a great question. I I, I think um, we have a lot of factors uh, that will allow us to grow here, and that was one of the reasons that. I wanted to come here as well. Is that the, the administration, the community, community is supportive of this program growing and having an opportunity to move on uh, with some of this conference realignment, um, and that's exciting. You know, I just think I just think we have to continue to recruit great kids and and grow this program and and get it to be a consistent winning program that competes at the highest level. And, um, you know, it is an ever-changing landscape, and we don't know exactly what the future holds. But, you know, the key for us is to be a consistent winner and compete every year for championships. And, and that's, you know, that's our goal. More with head football coach at Colorado State University, Jay Norvell, in a moment. But first, this for Ideal Home Loans. I know interest rates are rising, but that doesn't mean it should stop you from purchasing a home or even uh, taking a look at uh, potential refinance options, depending on when you've done it last. But you know what's number one for me when I like to talk about uh, Brent Ivinson's team at Ideal Home Loans? It's reputation. It's the fact that they are so trustworthy. And that's why I've sent a number of people to them through the years. It's why they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You'll be thrilled when you give them a call with the products they're going to offer you and just how you're going to be taken care of. Because at the end of the day, that's what is most important. Their phone number at Ideal Home Loans is 303-867-7000. Again, that's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans for all of your lending needs. Now back to more with Jay Norvell, the head football coach at Colorado State. When, when you look at the roster, not, not just the kids that you're bringing in, who are many of them 18, but you also had a number of kids uh, who, who transferred in from from Nevada. Can you jump right in and and start to compete at the highest level of, of the Mountain West, in your opinion? Yeah, I think you know our goal. Our goal is to compete this year and win. And you know we'd love to go to a bowl game and we'd like to compete. Uh, you know, for the conference, and and uh, you know, and that's just something that is our goal. It's our goal every year, and um, you know, and I think I think we have an opportunity to do that. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, we've got a lot of new players that have to be integrated into this program. You know, this the style was quite a bit different than we're used to playing. It was a tight end heavy roster on offense and I think we only have five scholarship receivers on the roster. So we got a lot of work to do. We we signed several receivers in this early signing period, trying to build that room up. The quarterback room is very different. Uh the things that we asked those guys to do, very different what they've done here before. So we, we signed three quarterbacks. So there's quite a bit of work that needs to be done. But you know, we're not looking at this as a rebuilding uh, uh, year. You know, we want to get our 
players in place and, and go out there and be ready to compete in this conference and win. And so that's our goal. That's our charge. And um, we're excited about going to work on that. I, I asked this tongue-in-cheek. You didn't happen to uh, ask Trey McBride to put off the NFL for a year, did you? I, I haven't. I don't know if I could convince him, but uh, it'd be fun to coach him. That's, that's for sure. He's a really good player. Absolutely. What did it tell you with the number of transfers uh, from the University of Nevada where where you were? We have such a close relationship with our players. Um, You know, it really, really meant a lot to me that those kids would want to come. And, um, you know, I just don't know that people really understand. Uh, I mean, some of these kids you know, we're closer to them than some of their own family members are. And and and, uh, and so it did mean a lot. It meant a lot that those kids wanted to be with us and the staff. It, 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 it just kind of reinforced that we were doing the right things for those kids. And kids just want to, they want to know that they're cared about and they want to know that you're helping them get better. And, um, you know, we play a fun style of football. Our kids love playing football. Uh, our style of football, and um, we have close relationships with those guys. You know, I tell them every year, I say, you know, you know, this game is not coaches telling players what to do. Uh, it's it's players and coaches working together, you know, to reach a common goal. And, you know, and that's what we, we've always done. And uh, I'm excited. I love these kids. Uh, uh, there's so many kids that, 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 that I've coached over the years that I really care about deeply about and have great relationships with and and so we're excited to continue to coach you know this group of kids that came over from Nevada and I think they'll add to this team and and we'll we'll, we'll come up with a, a, a brand new chemistry here. I think everybody has an idea who follows football what makes a good coach but from your standpoint who, the person who's been a head coach and has been an assistant at a lot of places and been in the NFL what truly what characteristics make a a very good coach and what ones do you feel and and i'm asking you a question uh, that that's tough because i'm asking you not to be modest but what what makes jay norvell the successful coach he's been you know i just think um i just think you have to be authentic i think you have to be true to yourself and um you know i think good coaches get the most out of the players that they have. You know, I, I, I talked to our staff about that. I, I said, we can't be worried about what kids can't do. You have to look at what strengths the players you have can do and, and get the most out of them. You know, it's kind of like playing cards. You try to, you try to play the hand you're dealt the best you can. And, and I always think good coaches play the hand they're dealt. You know, I, I I don't know if that answers your question, but I mean, I I I've always I've I've always been more worried about my kids think about me than what I think the outside world does, and that that relationship's really important to me. Um, and and just just getting the most out of your players, I think that's what good coaches do. You know what? I I love that response. I, I've always said this from a scouting standpoint in baseball, Jay, and that is. Guess what? Willie Mays ain't getting off the bus. So, you know, the, the, right, the scout that's always telling you what, what a guy can't do, 
I'm not right. so you know Willie Mays could do everything, but everybody else probably got some flaws. Tell me what that person does well. What does he do well that's going to help us? No doubt. Yeah, and, and you know, there's just no ready-made players either. I think I think you have to be willing to develop kids and and help them get better. Uh, that's what coaching is, and you know, I I, I just kind of giggle at some of these coaches. They want a, a ready-made player that has no flaws, and there's it's just it's just it's just very very rare you ever get that. I mean, you have to work with guys and develop them and and help really uh, emphasize their strengths and, and limit their weaknesses. And a lot of that's coaching. Yeah. Hey, Jay, you mentioned it earlier, and I found it a bit ironic that you're a Big Ten guy. Uh, you know, you come from a Big Ten family, right? And you mentioned that you're from Madison and so forth. Uh, at what point did you realize after you took the job that your first uh, game in the green and gold will be in the big house? Yeah, pretty soon, pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> it was the first thing that I actually looked at and, and, uh, you know, but I, yeah, I, I was really fortunate. I, I, you know, I played in the Big Ten in the '80s, and you know, Bo Schembechler was still coaching then. We had some great games at Iowa. You know, my senior year, actually, uh, uh, we were ranked number one in the nation for seven weeks, and we played Michigan, and they were ranked number two. And Jimmy was the quarterback, Jimmy Harbaugh, and so. We ended up beating them. I think it was twelve to ten on the last second field goal by Rob Hotlin. and so we had great games with Michigan. But uh, no, it's awesome uh, being able to go back and play in that stadium. It'll be a huge thrill for our players, and it'll be a lot of fun for the coaches too. I'll let you. I'll let you fly on this one, and you alluded to it earlier, but. Uh, have you gotten a sense? I've lived in Colorado now thirty-five years, displaced New Yorker, and. Um, I have, it's been honestly for me, uh, as closely as I've followed your program now at Colorado State, it's probably been since Sonny Lubick was there. The last time I remember, and maybe Jim McElwain, the 10 and 2 season, but the kind of excitement uh, that you have brought immediately to town. I mean, again, I'm, I'm asking you, I know you're a humble guy, but have you sensed that? I just, I've sensed an incredible energy from from the people in this community uh, that care about Colorado State football, and it's exciting. It really is. It it, it gets you going. You know, I, I've been really fortunate to coach at a, a lot of great schools, and I always feel a responsibility to the to the alumni and the fan base every day. I get up in the morning, and and uh, and it's I certainly feel it here, um, and it's really it's awesome. It's awesome uh, to be a part of that. And I tell you, our coaching staff and our families are really excited about getting this thing going. So it's a lot of fun. Our kids come in next week, and, and we start our eight weeks of winter training, and and uh, we can't wait to get started. But hey, hey, Coach, I wish you nothing but uh, success. Uh, I look forward to, to chatting with you more down the road. But uh as somebody that's uh, just 60 miles away, I'm really excited about what you brought, and I, I know what kind of job you did, obviously, over in Reno as well, man. So best of luck. Thank you so much. Well, wish Jay Norvell nothing but success in Fort Collins, and he has re-energized that program. And it's and it's wild how you can make a coaching hire and completely change 
the feel around the program because it was as negative as I've ever seen. And I've been around that football program for 35 years. Back in 1987, I started calling Colorado State football and basketball. We do about half their schedule, you know, Leighton Leon, Fuller tenor, tenure, and then they, you know, hired Earl Bruce, and then obviously on to Sonny Lubick. And Earl Bruce started getting that thing turned around. But I, I've seen it for the better part of 40 years. And I've seen the heights that, that certainly Sonny took them to, and they were often nationally ranked, and there was great enthusiasm around the program. And I saw the low points also. And I don't know if I've ever seen it lower than where they were really just a few months ago. And they, at least on paper, with Jay Norvell, have hit a grand slam. And uh, again, I've said this uh, a couple of times. I will be shocked if two or three years from now, they are not a really good football team up there, one that makes all the alum proud, makes the state proud. Um, I, I do think they hit the proverbial home run with the hiring of Jay Norvell. That'll do it for uh, this week's edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Tell your friends, download, subscribe, all that good stuff. Again, uh, check out my uh, DNVR buddies and Patrick Lyons in particular on the DNVR Rockies podcast, which comes out five days a week. As I said, we'll do it again next week. Show number 133 on the horizon. Take care. Stay well, everybody. Stay well, everybody.